Each episode of Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain with Dr. Ruth Allen is for educational and demonstration purposes only. The information shared in each episode should not be interpreted as medical advice. This episode should not be used to self-diagnose or self-treat any health, medical or physical condition. Do not use this episode to avoid going to your healthcare professional or to replace the advice they give you. Consult with a trusted healthcare professional before doing anything contained in this episode. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact www.ruthmaryallen.com forward slash connect. Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am delighted to be joined by the incredibly successful Calvin Corelli. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Thank you, Ruth. It's amazing to be here with you. I'm really, I'm really pumped for this conversation. <laughs> I'm really excited because I was I was reading your story earlier on. And uh, and it's been a real roller coaster for you. So I'm excited to dive into your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, uh, which sure. I'm sure many of my listeners um, will be really looking forward to hearing. Um, but be- before we start, um, for those that don't know, Calvin, Calvin Corelli is a speaker, author, investor, spiritual teacher and founder of Simplero, an all-in-one platform that helps coaches and course creators simplify their lives. He's been a coder since the age of five. And Calvin thinks in systems and constant optimization of every aspect of business and life and I love that because I used to do I used to be on a BBC B when I, <laughs> when I was a kid <clears throat> when we had tape machines and I used to write code to build pictures as a, as a child so I completely relate to um to writing code as a kid what there got you, go. you into code um my parents did so my parents were amongst the first in the I'm in the country I'm from which is Denmark um uh-huh. and probably amongst the first like fairly first in the world that were got into computers and programming. There was literally five computers in the entire country at the time that they started programming. It was punch cards and, you know, um, sleeping in sleeping bags and waking up at 3 a.m. because they had 30 minutes at a computer to run some 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 punch cards through it and stuff like that. And so my my dad, my mom started a software company before the PC was invented in 1980. And my dad would spend his evenings teaching me how to code, and I loved it. Yeah, I really loved it too, and I loved the the opportunity to build. You could like visually see what you'd done. One hundred percent. Yeah, with, yeah, with it's the so code that you'd written, even though it was is. like fairly basic. But I really loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never, it never, it never gets old. <laughs> now I have a team that doesn't, you know, the the almost all the building, but it's still that that feeling of creating of of making something happen that wasn't there before it's amazing yeah and you kind of it comes out of nothing doesn't it it comes out of Mm -hmm. ones and zeros and bits Mm -hmm. of words that you know if you were to write it on a board doesn't mean anything to anybody but Mm -hmm. in the computing world it creates just amazing things that other people can utilize so yeah that's amazing i love it it. Um, Mm and so tell me what you're passionate about in life right now I'm really passionate about the the that the spiritual journey as an entrepreneur, that spiritual growth as an entrepreneur has always for me been the thing that has moved the needle the most. Right. A lot of people are so focused on like what's the how-to and what's the strategy or the tactics or the the you know seven-step process to whatever. And I've always find found every single time that it's the inner shifts. Like it's something that was an unconscious belief that becomes conscious. And now I can choose whether I'm going to stick to it or not, uh, or like keep it or not, or change it. Um, or some pain or wound that I was trying to avoid uh, contacting and feeling. Those are the things that really move the needle. So I've started, um, start, or I am starting a, a high-end mastermind group for successful founders. So founders and entrepreneurs that are doing seven figures, eight figures, nine figures to focus on that inner work on that inner growth. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's, is like four years ago, I had the privilege uh, of being on Richard Branson's private island on Necker Island with a bunch of very, very successful entrepreneurs. And, and I just noticed how many of them, even though they had multiple jets, some of them like mul- multiple private jets each, each, um, a lot of them were struggling. Like they're great at the business and making money, but they're struggling with their with their health or their relationships or 
sense of purpose and meaning or their relationship to themselves. And so for me, that group is about two things. It's about, you know, unblocking yourself for business success, but really for that complete life success, right? Like, why are we doing what we're doing if not because we want to live a full, integrated, fulfilling, satisfying life? So that's, I'm super pumped about that. I, I love that because I think so many of us, like you mentioned, focus on the, the how-to um, rather than focusing on that deep inner work that we often mm-hmm. ignore. Uh, yeah. And it's the one thing that is the big needle mover. And it's the one thing that stays with us. Totally, right. <laughs> and, and it's totally within our control to change. No one else can change it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we, ha- we have to do the deep deep in a where we have to heal heal ourselves from the inside out speaking of richard branson right he will glad for two hundred thousand dollars he's going to take you in one of his virgin galactic rockets into outer space so you can have that experience he can't take you to inner space right you can only do that on your own yeah that's so true that's so true and if only we had the right you know i think the one of the the challenges is finding the right person mm-hmm. to help you yeah uh, navigate that you can have a you can get a guide and a mentor and a coach or someone right that's and i've had plenty and it's it's incredibly helpful but at the end of the day you have to do the work you can't just get in a in in some kind of vehicle and it does it for you it doesn't work that way (laughs) so um with that in mind i'd love to know talking about inner work what does optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of your life's journey it's um i would say it's a combination of things um I'm, um, there's the whole belief system, all the unconscious, subconscious stuff, unraveling that, peeling away those layers and removing, you know, getting, just becoming aware of some of those things. That's a huge part of it, right? You can literally see in people kind of what their dominant beliefs are in the, in the, you know, the, the wrinkles in their face, like their face starts to take the shape of their beliefs over, over the time, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, so that's a huge part of it, but the but the other massive part is of it is what we put in our bodies or on our bodies or or yeah. surround ourselves with, right? Like I, I was fascinated with. I remember years ago thinking about like Bill Gates, um, like loves eating cheeseburgers. I I really think that like you know eat enough of those and it like that becomes the cells of which your body is composed like it that really impacts your your brain and your ability to think um so diet is crucial right a lot of people have brain fog they have like like just you know i don't know like decay like even alzheimer's dementia and things that that are definitely diet related i think that's that's safe to say at this point right but then there's also all the toxins in our environment environment that 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 harms our, our brains and our health in general. Yeah, I, I love that. And you touched on some of the elements that I like to talk about in the context of health, which is, first of all, our, our spiritual health, but also our, our physical health. Um, and all yeah. of that, I think... Um, when you mentioned with the importance of diet is people don't necessarily connect the spiritual mm. element of cognitive health or brain health to what they are doing, which includes putting in or on their bodies mm-hmm. and also doing in their environment and how they're allowing their environment to do things to them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And yep. I think we often don't think we think, OK, we kind of get in denial, don't we? about what food what food we're eating and I have this all the time with people I talk to oh I eat really healthy um and then you ask them to to recite what foods they've eaten and get them to write it down and to understand how the food is shifting their mood and affecting them ultimately spiritually mm-hmm. and they suddenly realize there's this strong correlation or connection between the health the food that they're putting into their bodies and how it's showing up for them from a emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual perspective. A hundred percent right. And a lot of times we use the food to avoid to feel certain things and go certain places, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love if you could take us back to a time when you did actually do that, because I've been reading your fantastic bio and the detail of your life's journey. I wonder if you could take us back to the time where 
where we, you were using it as an avoidance tool and you had your aha moment. For sure. Yeah, I was, um, I mean, for me, a lot of it was around, was alcohol related. So like having wow. wine with dinner and, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know much about um, food, like health, health in terms of foods. I was like very Italian um, file. So lots of pasta and, and things of that nature. Um but yeah, like I think it was the, the red wine with dinner, like three to four nights a week. That was really my big um, big escape, right? Like that, yeah. Um, trying to avoid, I, I would dream and fantasize about all the things that I wanted to do, but I wouldn't really take action on it because I was scared of, of many things. I was scared that I, I you know, didn't have it in me or I wouldn't, wouldn't succeed or it would be dangerous or whatnot. I, to the point where actually, so this is my, one of my books is show up and serve. And I had, I had a, a cartoon artist, artist draw this cartoon at the beginning. I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh, I love it, that. It oh, said yeah. heaven on one of the doors. And then it says books about heaven on the other. And he's like scratching his head for those that are <laughs> just watching. And that was very much my life. I was like, you know, if I could watch a podcast or an interview or, or like read a book about some other people who were doing the things, you know, that kind of scratched that itch a little bit. And then I didn't have to actually go do the thing and be scared. Wow. And what was it? What was the big shifter for you? You know, you met, it was the fear of, of being successful, was it that you were using alcohol to avoid the hard work? Was it? Would you say was, that was what was happening? I think a big part that was part of it, but at that time, it was it was it was very much the, the thing I was struggling with was constant not looking for my purpose in life, oh, like okay. avoiding looking at why I was here and what I really wanted to do, and yeah. I was so busy just doing what I thought I had to do to be quote unquote successful and, and make money. And, and uh, to the point where I had this, this thought that said, well, like we're, we're like, we're struggling financially right now. So I don't have time to look at that. Mm -hmm. But the reality was that I was scared to look at what my purpose was. And mm -hmm. so I would keep manufacturing financial struggles. So I would have an excuse not to look at it. Mm. I finally one day did decide to sit down and ask myself that question. What am I here to do? And it, it, the answer really kind of downloaded to me that I'm here to integrate spirituality and entrepreneurship. And that was in 2008. It's stayed like true to this day. That still feels like my, my, my core calling. Um, but on the backside of that, I recognized, Oh, I, the reason I had been so scared of looking at that was number one, I was afraid that there was no answer, right? That there is no purpose, no meaning. And that would be super painful to find out. Like I believe that most people had some kind of purpose or, or, you know, thing they were here to do, but maybe God kind of forgave the forgot to give me one. That was my fear. Like, what if, what if I, I'm the broken one? I'm the, 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 the odd one out that was like, yeah, guy was too busy didn't have time or something right so did that you ever was, have that I do, can i just pause you there? i'm just curious yeah. did you ever have that in your past where you felt forgotten did i ever feel forgotten i mean yes i would say and 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 feeling wrong has been a big thing but yeah uh -huh. and I, so so um i mean that brings me back to to my birth which was strangled in my own umbilical cord oh, and goodness. so started life with a near-death experience and then they got me to breathe eventually. And then they put me in an incubator for 48 hours. And so one oh, might wow. imagine feeling a little, a little forgotten, a little left. Yeah, left absolutely. That would have imprinted itself from birth for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you just manufactured environmental situations that told you that you validated your first birthing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I don't think people realize how our very early childhood, including birth and also pre-birthing experience. And my daughter had a very traumatic birthing experience um, herself. I think um, we she had to have a C-section, but how impactful that can be for people throughout their life. Because yeah. keep, you keep it's already in great imprinted in your memory, even though you might not even remember it. You know, yeah. You're told about it. It's, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I learned about this um, 
probably like 15 years ago, I was at a workshop with a lady named huh. Debbie Ford, who was, you know, big back in the day. And, um, and one of the exercises was this anger release. And we would all sit in chairs and then like, you know, blindfold her. And there were like thunder, like sounds of thunderstorms. And then they'd go around like, think of all the people who heard you. And I would like to see, you know, uh, whatever, like make you like riled up and then like all breathing exercise. And then they were like, okay, go. And just like rage. And I was like raged on for five, 10 minutes or something. And then at the end of it, it was like all quiet. And then this vision came to my mind of like at, of the birth room and everybody panicking and something was wrong. And I was, wasn't sure what it was. So I went and asked my mom about it. And then she told me what had happened. And I was like, oh, wow. this makes sense. Wow. So you were releasing the, the hmm. um, sensual experience from your birthing experience and then triggered your memory back to that experience by releasing the anger, which was probably trying to get out. Yeah. Uh, and escape the stranglehold. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Thank you. So yeah. so so you gosh, well we could go so deep here, couldn't we? This is brilliant. I love it. Um so so you went um you had your uh, sort of awakening. How did that manifest in in the context of you realized that you were trying to just escape the need to sit, pause and reflect on what your purpose was? How how did that manifest? after that um yeah so the the i mean it gave me so much direction so i was talking about the three fears that i realized number one was like maybe there's nothing there number two was maybe it'll take me forever to find it like 10 years 20 years seemed like for an eternity back then and then the third was maybe there is something and i'll find it pretty quick but i won't like it because i had some very preconceived notions about what like the kind of person that i wanted to be it's a big part of it for me, it was like realizing that I'm a different person than who I thought I wanted to be. And I was, I spent a lot of time kind of wanting to be any, anyone but me. And I, I realized, um, I realized even not that long ago, it was like, I, I wasn't think I haven't been thinking about it too long, too much lately, but then a month ago I had it. So I had a fingerprint hand analysis by a guy named Richard Unger, who's like, I don't know if you've come across him, but he's like super fascinating. So he'll, he'll look at your fingerprints and based on the combination of four different types of prints in your, on your 10 digits, mm-hmm. um, out of that comes a life purpose statement, a life, one or more life lessons and a life school. So it's like kind of informs your life. And so I had a reading with him back in the fall, I think October, November. And then I went back and listened to it a little while ago. And and the way he laid out, like, this is you. And these are the kind of different things that all add up to some of your core um, gifts that you bring to this world and, and purpose. I was like, holy crap, that makes sense. And there's literally no other person on the planet that I'd, I'd like to be more. So that was a major shift for me because that was definitely not how I felt. Like like 15 years ago, I just wanted to be anyone but me. Wow. And yeah. I guess you were doing lots of things to avoid it and to try and be someone that you've manifested in your mind that was supposed to be you because that's what you deemed successful. Is that, am 100%. I, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it wasn't a success that you really wanted or needed. Yeah. yeah and it, it never really kind of worked for me because it wasn't, it's kind of like that Roadrunner uh, cartoon that's like running in midair, right? If you're not really <laughs> in in it and really being yourself, it just never seemed to work out for me. Yeah. 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 And so, and so, um, so you, so going back to that sort of aha moment and the fear factor, what did you, what did you end up doing next? What was the, what were the next steps for you to move, you know, either towards your fear and realize that you can overcome it or, or move or do something to, to uh, nullify it. It was very, it was, it was a huge watershed moment because what happened before that I was trying all kinds of different things like, you know, a a publishing company and a software company and all the things with different people. And I, I kept like hoping that I would find some other person who had the secret success sauce so because I didn't seem to be able to make anything happen. And then I'd partner up with them and try something and it didn't quite work out. And then uh, after this, I I knew it was so, so clear to me what I was here to do. And it just I could just feel it so deeply. I could see the complete vision of 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 how it, it um, would all play out. And that's what got me going like, oh, I need to teach this. Like before that, I've been on a five year spiritual journey. 
It's like, oh. You went to India. Is that part? That that's part that of your spiritual journey. That came right? later. Yeah, India was oh, not okay. really a spiritual journey for me. It's, it was okay. it, it was it, not in that way. But I mean, it was. But it but not like in that way. But no, that came late, much later. But the the it was um, what I realized was that the things that I had learned about how you relate to your thoughts and your beliefs and your subconscious programming, how you relate to your feelings. Um, discovering your purpose and, and relating to that, um, living in the present moment, not in the past and the future, and really opening opening your heart and 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 growing to expand in love. That to me is the essence of the work as an entrepreneur, right? yeah. that as a as a human, but also as an entrepreneur. So I was like, I need to teach these things that I've learned to other entrepreneurs, and I started doing that, but I didn't know. I was just a programmer who had started, you know software company was doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know anything about teaching this kind of stuff to other people. I didn't know anything about seminars or workshops or, you know, any of that. So I started researching that. And that's what led me to discover this whole world of online courses. And yeah. I was like, that's amazing. I can do that. And so I got into online courses and then I started writing the software for it. And then that became Simplero, which is my my main business today, right? Mm-hmm. So it came directly from wanting to teach this stuff. So it was, it was really a big shift from, let me try this, that, this, that, that. Like nothing was coherent. There's no cohesiveness to it. It was all pointed in different directions to now. Everything that I've been doing since has been in one, um, in the same direction and really supported each other. Wow, I love that. And then, and what did you notice? Obviously, once the the everything started to come together, what was the big shift from you internally? What did you know? Because you said you you know when you started it, you didn't want to be the person that you became, or you were scared about what that person might be, and it wasn't mm-hmm. someone that you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So, how did you kind of internally transition into the what person you are now? Which yeah, I think more a, spiritually aware and comfortable with. I think there's a moment of surrender of just like, okay, like clearly this is who I am. Like, might as well stop fighting it, right? <laughs> like, stop trying to be something else. Um, and then gradually, like, growing into that. Like, it's been definitely been a, a long journey of of um, learning to love myself. Oh, um, and yeah, it was like that's been happening in in in. Um, bits and pieces i think the big big movement was when has this been like um probably 10 years ago or something i i discover gay hendrix and and he has an incredible book learning to love yourself which was a uh-huh. watershed thing for me and the idea being that instead of instead of trying to like actively love myself yeah that really the trick is to to cultivate cultivate a willingness to love yourself because so a self, desire to yeah the, what i found is that that the self-love is natural like it's already there it's just covered covered up by false beliefs and so if we can find that willingness that that just creates that tiny gap that can mm-hmm. can can let some of that love that's already there shine through and then that gap is automatically going to open kind of by itself so just for me that was the nugget of just being it cultivating the willingness even mm-hmm. and how did you do, how did you I'm super I love I love this conversation how did you cultivate the willingness what were the like the key steps for you to go from not really I think it was <laughs> to, recognizing kind of opening the curtain of possibility and love that that would shine through it was recognizing that that the self-hate was something that I was doing and so being able to see it and then it was more of a decision point. Okay. I'm willing. I'm willing. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know what I need to do, but I'm willing and just, okay. Sitting yeah. with that willingness and feeling that. We often say like from a brain health perspective, it's really important to fall in love with your brain. Mm. And we don't tend to think about our brain as an object that we should fall in love with. It's, we just mm-hmm. see it as a function functional entity uh-huh. um, but actually it's the sort of main controller although that's open to debate but um yeah you know it's a key controller in our bo- bodily system um mm-hmm. and it's one of the biggest controllers of the uh the thoughts that we have and what we allow ourselves to do and what we stop ourselves from doing yeah um and when we take that time to really fall in love with our brain we're much more likely when we've got a good relationship because we are the first and the last relationship we'll ever have is the one we have with ourselves. Um, it is 
that we'll do the things that help us and we'll avoid the things that hurt us. Mm-hmm. But if we're not in love with ourselves, then we don't tend to care about ourselves in the way that we would care about a lover yeah, or someone, someone we're in love with. Yeah, yeah. So, so what in in that context, what did you notice shift in terms of the action? So you you open the door of possibility, you let the love start to shine through. How what shifts did you notice in yourself personally in terms of the activities you were doing or the actions were you doing either internally to yourself or externally within the world itself? It's a good question. Give me one second. I need to close the door here. Someone was like, no, that's fine. Open this. Uh, I have a dog that loves to to run in and out so um she's very that's all right no problem down here (laughs) so what did you what did you start doing in the context of your actions when that when that light started to shine through uh what shifts did you know (laughs) the yeah i'm trying to think back like what what did shift i mean i i I um because you got more fit right didn't you so you like you started eating you you were eating a quite um destructively yeah oh <laughs> and yeah things started moving that's yeah that's funny that that kind of came later so what okay. happened there there was um I was working with a mentor um still still a mentor friend business partner now um and he would I was there with my wife and we were really struggling in our relationship at the time. And his diagnosis was, look, Calvin, you are like 80% in your feminine and only 20% in your masculine. And your masculine is very young and wounded. He's like a a, a hurt eight-year-old boy. And so we need to help him grow up to be a healthy male adult. And so, and my wife was the opposite. Right. So she was 80% of her masculine and which is natural. Right. That's like uh, polarity, you know, know, opposites attract. So it's it's only natural that it would be that way. And um, so the journey that we've been on as a couple since then has been, how do we switch that around while staying together and just supporting each other in that journey. And that's, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, and one of the things that came out of that for me was, all right, I need to start building my body and, and work out much more consistently. At the time, it was like, if I was working out three hours a week, I had a personal trainer. I felt pretty good about that. Maybe I would do yoga, you know, you know, a few times or whatnot. Like, but it was like three hours a week. I felt like I was doing pretty, pretty good. And he was like, yeah, that's not going to cut it. Like you need to do eight hours a week. And it was like completely mind blowing to me. Um, but I was like, okay, if that's what you say, I'll make that happen. And so I, I committed to myself to do eight hours a week. I, these days I do way more than that, but I was like eight hours a week tracking it, using a spreadsheet. I kept that going for over a year and it was super helpful. And what I noticed was that like a month or two in, Mm-hmm. My palate started changing. The other thing I did was add a a, um, a meal replacement powder called Body Meal as okay. my breakfast. So it's a protein, green superfoods, vitamins and minerals mixed with water. I do that for my breakfast, and that combined with exercise, like my palate started changing. So instead of craving pizza and cheeseburgers, which was my go-to before, I started just craving more salads, more more healthy things. I didn't yeah. they didn't they didn't appeal to me as much. Yeah. And I also stopped desiring alcohol. So it was like what what I noticed was that when I I never liked the day after. I, I was always bad with like hangovers and just like my brain wasn't fully functional yeah. the day after, even just like two glasses of wine or something. Um, but what started happening was I noticed that as I took that first sip of wine, it was like my brain deteriorated. And I yeah. liked that feeling less than what I'd felt right before. Because I actually felt started to feel good just being me, just being sober, which was kind of new. And yeah. so I ended up quitting alcohol completely. And yeah, and just since then, it's been a journey of just like getting getting cleaner and cleaner. So these days, I don't do any alcohol. I don't do any caffeine. I don't do any like straight sugar. I don't do like like any of the drugs that society is on. I just be, yeah. eat a, a very just plant-based. Clean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know I I rarely do alcohol. I can't say I'm 100% alcohol free, 
But what I do notice, I used to drink a lot of alcohol when I was in my dark days. Um, and I used it again as a, a, a means to avoid the pain that mm-hmm. I was in, avoid the action I needed to take. Um, but what I notice mm-hmm. now is because I'm so clean in the context of alcohol, when I do drink it, I kind of get an instant hangover and I, I really don't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it depends which beverage it is, but it tends to come on before I finish the drink. <laughs> yeah. Whereas previously, I wouldn't, you know, I'd get the enjoyment out of it and then it would come later that night or the following morning. Right. But having been, you know, off alcohol for so long, um, it kind of instantly hits you. I completely understand yeah. Yeah. where you're coming from. You just don't, it, it's just not enjoy. It's not an enjoyable experience. Right. I was um, like, why? Like, right. Yeah. Like, let me just not it was funny because i had an experience on when i was on necker island like i mentioned before um there's a lot of alcohol there and at one point there's this uh beach volley game between the staff and the guests and there's like whenever you you score a point the other team has to do a shot or something like that and like yeah i was watching the game i wasn't playing but then one of the staff members came running past where i was sitting with a tray of like empty shot glasses to go to get it filled up and they were getting pretty hammered and so he looked over at me as i was sitting there watching he said you're lucky you don't drink and in my mind i was like look dude luck has nothing to do with it it's just a decision it's just a choice that you make right (laughs) but that was it's so funny like it's funny that way of thinking of like you're lucky you don't like it's like like oh my god poor me i have to drink it's like no you don't (laughs) it's this dependency culture though isn't it yeah going back to our, our earlier days is we had this dependency on using it to self medicate Totally. ourselves away <laughs> yeah from stuff no, i get it and and but there's also that whole social obligation right yeah yeah you're, like, you're playing this game and you're like you know what like yeah i had drink i had alcohol like last night it's not like i don't drink but i don't want to drink today so i'm not just not going to drink that oh come yeah. on yeah like yeah all right part of the team blah, 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 right so i totally get that social part it's funny though because a lot of people are really worried about that when it comes to quitting alcohol. I've never had an issue. I've never Isn't had. That interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I but... guess it depends on the culture that you perceive, either perceive you're in or you're actually in. And mm-hmm. sometimes the perception is a lot. We you know we make a mountain out of a molehill. Sometimes, not all the time. I think a lot. Of, a lot of it's just to you. If you're, is your how you feel about it, your own yeah. commitment about it. For me, it's just like. It's not even a thing, right? So like, yeah. yeah, no, I don't drink. So I don't make it like, oh, come on. It's like, I know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I don't engage because like, yeah, there's no. And I think also if, you, if you've got people that don't respect your life choices, whether that's a drink or your relationships or, or you know, your business choice or whatever it happens to be, um, and you're showing up as your true authentic self, then there may be it's time to go and find some 100%. friends. And there are definitely relationships and, and situ- so contexts that I had that was all about the alcohol. And like, now yeah. that was not, like I just stopped doing those. So I was seeing those people, right? So Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because ultimately you want to surround yourself with people that lift you up and not the ones that totally. pull you down. Yeah. So. I think too, when you're talking about like how you feel like you get instant hangovers, I I was doing, I had a chocolate croissant one like a couple of months ago and like not having done any caffeine or yeah. sugar or gluten for that matter like i had the jitters for like three hours after one chocolate croissant it's quite quite wow. wild <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> and doesn't that just go to show how out of tune our bodies become with all of these um fake fast foods exactly and, you know right. ultra processed foods you get numbed out and you don't even know like the, the, the load that your body is carrying. Like it's something that I'm deeply passionate about is, is how most of us treat our bodies really poorly. You're like, Oh, yeah. why are you fat? Why are you this? Like, why are you looking like, like we criticize our bodies so much, even if, if just in our own minds and, you know, not spoken out loud, but that attitude where the reality is that our bodies are working 24 seven, for us our bodies love us so much and we treat it like garbage day in and day out right yeah. we fill it with stuff we don't give it enough sleep 
or proper exercise, or we, you know, pollute it with toxins either that we put yeah. inside our, our mouths or on our skin and we just treat it like crap. And then we, yeah. then we criticize it for, yeah. I mean, like, no, <laughs> it loves you. Love it back. Yeah. And actually it's interesting you say that because um, why we eat too much is a book by Dr. Andrew Jenkinson, I think. Um, and he writes about the fact that our body, when we get fat, although that's not a, you know necessarily political correct term these days um but when our body stores weight around our, our waist it's actually the safest place for your body to store toxins because mm-hmm. it doesn't want to store those toxins on your liver or your other vital organs totally. which will poison them and kill you and yeah. so it's it's being kind to you <laughs> mm-hmm. by storing it around your middle because that's the safest least harmful place for to for it to put the stuff that it doesn't want so yeah. if you are a person that's like oh i hate my body be thankful that your body is protecting you mm-hmm. um, yeah. and take action to help your body help you yeah yeah, 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 and detoxing gently, and and like a lot of it is emotional stuff as well, right? It's oh, not yeah. just like it's emotional toxins that get stored in your body, and then and then you know wrapped in fat, and yeah, yeah, I love that. I, 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 I well. yeah. So, so where did you go on your journey then? So you you had you had this, um, uh, you started moving towards fat, founding your company. Um, to build your business you felt in alignment you were focusing on spirituality where did that lead you where did it take you next um it's a it's a continuing journey isn't it like a spiral a spiral <laughs> journey look i i recognized one of the shifts that happened for me this year was realizing that i had i have for several years now kind of created struggles for myself where i would succeed but not like fully succeed, whether it was, you know, in, in um, sculpting the body that I want or, you know, business results, I would always, there would always be like this, like up and down kind of thing. I'm not like unsuccessful, but I'm not really where I want to be either. So it was like, I was operating with this in this band and it wasn't really moving much. And I was, I was feeling into that. And what I recognized was that, there was a, we spoke about earlier, this, this sense of feeling wrong, feeling like there's something wrong with me. That was kind of my, my, I think all humans have this feeling of, or, or belief system around being inadequate somehow, right? Being not enough, not good enough, not whatever it is, right? From like, we were born and then our parents say, like, at some point, a parent is like, stop doing that. Don't do that. Don't be this way. And we think, oh, just being me is not enough. I need to be something else, right? That core yeah. mechanism is with all of us and it just takes different flavors, but it's the same system. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of it was around feeling just fundamentally wrong in some way, broken. There's something flawed, something broken about me. But what I realized then was I had this big fear of succeeding wildly um, where, or like just like fully succeeding, if you will in all the ways that I wanted to, that if I did that, I would lose my, all my, my relationships that, okay. that I wouldn't be able to relate to other people. If I was successful, they would, I would be this arrogant, arrogant asshole that, and like everybody would reject me. I would be betraying my family because in my family, we're not someone who just like wildly succeeds in health and wealth and relationships and creative purpose and all of it. I want, like, it's not something that we do in my family. So I'd be betraying that family. And it, I was like, once I re- realized that, I was like, oh my God. Like when I started, when I visualized achieving all of the things that I was wanted and working on, what I noticed was this deep pain and this like deep lump in my in my belly. And I was like, what's that about, right? Like, what is that? And I started feeling into it. And I that's when I recognized, oh my God, that's the pattern. And so what I noticed was that that fear of success, if you, if you will, mm-hmm was what was keeping this idea of being broken or or wrong in some way stuck right that i kept like i i tried to i was working on trying to fix the the i'm wrong i'm wrong i'm broken um pattern but without addressing the why am i so afraid of not being broken pattern i wasn't getting anywhere wow and that also kind of ties back into what we discussed earlier is you 
when you are, you know, you mentioned this fear of relation, losing relationships and stuff. It's almost that fear of abandonment that you had as a child when you were first born. Is yep. you were, you know, you you were fearing the physical manifestation of how you arrived in this world. Is is that fear fear of uh, being alone? Yeah, absolutely. And you didn't want that. You didn't want to manifest that for yourself. So you kind of made that everything that. to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm getting I'm getting coaching here right here on the call. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you're most welcome. But we we um we you know there's a connectivity there, isn't there? And it oh, will yeah. run throughout your life is you know realizing you know I can succeed and have these relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be alone um, yeah. because I'm I'm not a you know I'm not that child anymore. Yeah, I can yeah. break free. I can break that that chain yeah. um, and step into the person I'm capable of being. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> You're most welcome. So so you managed to break the ceiling and break through that. What was the big shifter for you that, that allowed you to do that? I mean it was I mean, it was really seeing it, right? And and I think what, what broke it for me was a sense of so I was at an event. So this is pretty recent, all of it. So a couple okay. months ago, I was at an event with a bunch of other founders and I just I I felt so miserable there because everybody we meet three times a year and everybody was like making progress and they were like, things were like, I did this and it worked great. And like this and we're great. All I just felt so, so such like, like a loser. Like I felt like, Oh my God, like, like everybody else is like, you know, doing so great. And I'm not, and I, I I know that I'm not the only one in the group that feels that way. Like when you go to those meetings and people show (laughs) their highlight reels and all that stuff, right. It's very easy to feel like an imposter, but instead of, Oftentimes what I would do in that case is I would go back to sort of spiritual beliefs around everything is exactly as it should be and, you know, loving what is and appreciating everything as it is. But this time I I went a different path. I was like, I'm fed up with this. I'm so done with this garbage. Like I get really, I get really angry and really intense. Like I'm done. No more. Right. And I, I, I got this deep commitment this deep decision to like i'm done I'm, i want to break through this thing now and that's what got me to start looking all right let me like we're doing it now we're breaking through the ceiling yeah visualize what does that feel like oh my god there's so much pain here right like gay hendrix talks about upper limits right? the those are the like that like those beliefs that and 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 behaviors that you do like worrying or getting an accident or whatever that knocks you down the beliefs that you have around like i had a thing too without shining because i i um, i learned to read before my older brother so okay. like at the same time and I, it was like that feeling that that it was great that i was so smart and so good but 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 it made everybody feel really uncomfortable so mm-hmm. don't do that, right? So I have to tone myself down, not be too smart, not be too good. Um, so there's a lot of, around that. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about neuroassociative conditioning. So like, mm-hmm. what are the what are the things like I had associated success with a lot of pain? And so when you have that association in your brain, obviously you're not going to do that because there's yeah. pain there, right? So it's like really getting getting awareness and journaling. So I have a morning ritual, which is I work out. And then I go to the sauna for, for like 45 minutes. And in the sauna, I do some stretches and I do journaling. So oh, I wow, I like, love that. I've never heard someone do that in a sauna. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, I have this, like, if you go on, like, I was like, this is years ago. I was like, I wonder if someone has event, invented a notepad that you can write on when it's wet. And I went on Amazon and dang, they have them. So, the military so, use it all the time. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I love this country. So the the i found that and what i find is that journaling in the sauna is perfect because the heat kind of slows my brain down just enough to get to some of that juicy stuff that i can't as easily get to when i'm you know at a normal temperature yeah yeah i love that and what was what what have you really noticed in the in the sauna <laughs> that you know in the in the journaling process because we you know i I often find swimming, I come to, I, you know, because I kind of have to go into a Zen zone mm-hmm. when I go swimming, I have some really aha moments and I love this. I love going to the sauna too. What, what's, what's been the real, have you had any shifts that you've noticed by doing that practice? I mean, the one I just shared was major, right? 
Um, and um, so what I'll do is I'll go to the whatever I'm struggling with, whatever's yeah. up for me at the time. And, and if there's some emotional, something where I'm like stressed or just feeling uh, not very good about it, I'll start writing it out. Um, um, yeah, I, it's it's like a daily ritual for me. So so I, I really I love it. Highly recommend it. Wow. I love that. And um, and I just super curious if you can share because I know you didn't used to be called Calvin if you could share that story oh totally yeah so the name I'm born and raised in Denmark and I live in New York City now and the the name that my parents gave me was Lars Holger Pint which Uh is sort of very Danish um Danish name and I moved to New York in 1999 for the first time and then like nobody could pronounce my first name and nobody could spell my or pronounce my last name. And it was just like complicated in this country. And because I never really liked the name either, I was, I was open to changing it. And so I met my, my current wife, um, when was that like 13 years ago now? And she had already changed her name using a numerologist. And that was new to me at the time, but I happened to meet a bunch of people around the same time who'd also done that. And so I was like, okay, might as well. And so we, mm-hmm. I went to see one and then he uh, gave me some numbers and then based on the numbers, you're going to reverse engineer that reverse engineer that back to names. And that was when it dawned on me, Oh my God, I'm going to have to actually change my names. It was like scary. <laughs> um, and I sat on it for months and then finally sat down with Nomi, my wife and, and, and looked over some lists. And then the name Calvin just popped out at me because, because Calvin Coolidge was the 30th president of the United States. And there was this quote by him that really, really, really kept me going through many, many years where I was struggling. And I would keep looking at this quote. And I, I, the, I was really scared that, again, there'd be no purpose that I'd never, quote unquote, make it, right? That I was like mm-hmm. always going to be struggling because I felt like I was constantly banging my head up against the wall. And so I'd read this quote over and over again, which says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Mm, what and a great quote. It is so good. And it, it really is still like a guiding light for me. And I'm like, if, if that, if persistence and determination are good enough for the president of the United States, they're good enough for me. And that's, that's, I've done that always. Like I just keep going. It doesn't always work out the first time or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth. And who cares? Life is long. The only time is now. And so there's no rush. There's nowhere to get to. There's no hurry. So just, yeah, keep trucking on. I'd love to draw in on that hurry because we're kind of in a really hurried world, aren't we? This desire Mm -hmm. to uh, become successful in a certain period of time and if you haven't you're not never going to be successful yeah or um you, you know that's a kind of expectation or you have to follow a certain path to be successful and I think that quote really says it all is that you you just need to follow the path that's right for you yeah um at, at your own pace <laughs> there is no time right time is literally an illusion so, like, what are we rushing for? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, and how, enjoy have, how have you used that to 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 go back to your mindset? Because you mentioned, like, I am done. I'm done yeah. with this. How have you used that? You know, quote and the importance that sits behind it or within it. To- when, whenever there's setbacks, you know, of which there's been many, is like, and and other people. I remember I had an accountant at one point who was like, yeah, like no, not everybody is made out, you know, made out to be as an entrepreneur, a business owner. Maybe you should just quit. And I was like, F you. Like, you know, it's like, I, like, yeah, just because it like I'm struggling now doesn't mean I'm, I'll be struggling a year from now. And not just business, right? yeah. but health and relationships and creativity yeah. and purpose and all of these things. Like I. Most people, again, back to Necker Island, most people succeed in one area. Yeah. And then they completely miss all the other areas. Right. Or they, they're like, well, but like they, they maybe they, they have a, a great relationship, but then they tell themselves that like, yeah, but you can't like, 
if you're going to be great in business, it's going to like cause your, your marriage to suffer or your kids or whatever. So I'm not going to do that. They tell themselves a story of limitation that they can't do it all. And I, I just don't buy into that. I want every single aspect of my life to be amazing. And it's not that like, like it's not amazing now or like it's uh, that I'm unhappy where I am. I, I, I'm really big on loving everything exactly the way it is and still having that hunger and desire to make it different. Not because I hate the way it is, but because I'm pumped about the infinite creative potential of this universe and this life. Yeah. I, like, do you know what? I, I love that because I think we think that people want more just because it's more. Mm-hmm. But actually, often it's the opportunity to create. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, it's not necessarily about more. It's it's like we make stuff out of Legos, right? We're just kids, like they're just like building, building stuff. Like that's, that's what's fun. And we get to do it with other people, right? It's that process of building stuff out of nothing. Like we'd started the conversation talking about, right? Like programming, you're creating something out of nothing. That's what we do every single day with amazing people. And we just have so much fun. Yeah. And and it goes back to that childhood spirit. And I've talked about this with so many people on my show is this, this, you know, go, Steve Sims says, go for stupid, Mm -hmm. because that's where that that's where the opportunity often is. And that's where the really real excitement Mm -hmm. (laughs) is, is is to do the things that where there are no boundaries and no, no limits. Because we've just manufactured these limits in our mind. Totally. But yeah. actually that we are limit limitless as Jim. And, when you, and, and when you think about that, like how far do you want to take that? Because I don't know if you've ever, have you ever read uh, Autobiography of a Yogi? No, I haven't, but I've heard of it. I'm going to put that on my book list. Paramahansa Yogananda, right? Yeah. So it was, like, supposedly it was the one book that Steve Jobs had on his iPad when he died. Okay. And it was one that had really impacted him. And so, of course, I start, I read it Um and in that book are these gurus who are hundreds of years old, who can literally manifest out of nothing in a place. And, and they're real as, as, as real as it can be. They can be in multiple places at once. There is a story of how one of these gurus takes him out into the desert and then from nothing just manifests this whole castle with you know, servants and helpers and produces this amazing meal for him and all that stuff. And then when they're done, it's just poof, gone again. Like there's, there's put that in one, one side. Then there's another book called the beginning of infinity by David Deutsch, which is talks about science and the scientific uh, method evolution. And where one of the points he makes is that whatever, instead of talking about Einstein's theory of relativity, talk about Einstein's misconception of relativity, because whatever theory have theory we have today is just the best theory we have so far. The only thing we know for certain is that at some point we're going to have a better theory, and this one is going to be our best misconception today, and yeah. that's always going to be the case. And the point he makes is that whatever anything that is theoretically possible under the law, the laws of physics of the universe, eventually we will be able to do like yeah. humanity will eventually be able to do it. And I've checked with friends who are PhDs in, in, in physics and whatnot. There is nothing in, in physics that would prevent us from manifesting in multiple places or becoming hundreds of years old and doing like levitate and doing it all, any of these things, like all of it is possible within the laws of physics. And so, I mean, then we can talk about Rupert Sheldrake who says there are no laws of physics. There are only habits that, that the world embodies. Cause like, Maybe they're not actually laws. Who knows, right? Um, and he has good reasons for why not. All of this to say that the possibilities are way beyond what most of us can even imagine. And, and I like to, I, I absolutely agree. And I like to think of our bodies as vessels because actually within our, within, within our bodies, we're housing trillions of, of other bodies called bacteria mm-hmm. and fungi and, totally. and, and, and so on. And this whole idea that we are this body or this like mass inside of a bag of skin is also falls away constantly exchanging with the environment. Like it doesn't make any sense to talk about me as separate from everything else. This doesn't make any sense. And how many times do, you know, talking about quantum physics, which I love, how many, how many times do we have a, something happen to us? Some, somebody gets in contact with us somewhere in the world um that we least expect but suddenly they get a trigger that they need to talk to you or a phone call happens 
or an, uh, I was talking to a friend today. She op- she she sent someone an email, a, a Facebook request, and they'd never opened their Facebook for 18 years. And then that one time they opened it half an hour after she sent the message uh, of a picture of them and so on. Um, yeah. Louise, mm-hmm. if you're listening. So I think, um, you know, we have all of these quantum shifts that happen that we maybe can't explain yet. Yeah. But they, you, you can't say that just by chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's some, there's something beyond what we we know today. So, and like obviously, you're there. Like it's, I mean, y'all almost have to be stupid not to see it and believe it. Like we've been do- indoctrinated so much to believe in like there's only three dimensions and that's all that exists, <laughs> right? Like, and we're gonna, like we're gonna conquer those. Like and it's like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I know we're coming to the end now. What, what would you um, advice would you give? I want to go back to that moment where you're like, I'm done with this. And this kind of perception when we're entrepreneurs, that we feel that we are in this imposter syndrome space, or we're, we're making ourselves a less than um, we actually are. What, what advice would you give to anyone who's experienced that place where they kind of feel they're in that imposter syndrome world. They're surrounded by highly successful people and they don't think they can get there. What would your mm-hmm. one piece of advice be to someone? I mean, the simple answer is know, know and value yourself. That's that's where it all starts. But I will also say that like, to me, usually the answer is instead of trying to do something, right? Like I want to like not feeling at a, feel like an imposter or I want to be successful. I want to fit in or something like that. Like ask yourself the question, what am I currently doing actively, even if unconsciously to create this thing? Mm. The natural state is that you're just there. You don't feel any imposter syndrome or that you don't belong or that you're not successful enough or anything like, you know, put a baby into that room and the baby is not going to be like, Oh my God, I don't believe. like, you know, that's not that's not a thing that babies do. So it was something that we learned at some point. And now it's just become a habit and we keep doing it. So seeing it that it's something that we're doing and then cultivating the willingness to maybe not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's get curious mm-hmm. <laughs> in that moment to understand mm-hmm. the why behind. Yeah your behavior i love yeah. that calvin i've honestly i think we could talk for a really long time about all things spirituality but um we have to bring this to a close so how can people get hold of you learn more about your business yourself and what you do and all, all of the um uh fantastic opportunities that you offer in the context of um your company for those that are entrepreneurs yeah if you're an entrepreneur and you're you're doing the online business maybe you're a coach or course creator or some other kind of creator, you have an audience, you're you're making offers to them, then check out Simplero. It's simplero.com. Um, that's our all-in-one platform for online coaches, coaches, creators to run their whole damn business in one place so you can get more customers and and grow their business and just have more time for themselves and the things that they love. Um, as for me, um, calvincorelli.com as well as Calvin Corelli on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, all of the places. Um, that's how you connect with me. If you're, if you're looking, if you're, you know, seven, eight figure entrepreneur looking for coaching, I have this, uh, coaching program coming up. We're going to go together and do this kind of work in person and as well as online and uh, follow each other and support each other in the journey. And I'm super excited about that. So if that's something that's interesting, uh, reach out to me. You can also also email me just Calvin at simplero.com and feel free to reach out. So make sure you check out the links below um, in the show notes. We'll put all of that there. And also um, the books that you've mentioned, I'll make sure I include those for people that were uh, curious around the books uh, for personal development and growth. And on, on the note of books, I actually have one that is not ready yet, but it's coming out maybe later this year, maybe early next year called you are the product. So, so <gasps> about the, the whole inner journey of inner growth of like becoming that radically attractive character person that, that attracts clients and team members and partners and whatnot. So it's coming up. Coming oh, wow. Out I'd love you to have you back on the show when that's out. So you can talk about yes. it if you're willing to, that would be amazing. Of course. <laughs> So remember, everyone, this show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power 
to make it better. And Calvin has been kindly here to show us how on his amazing entrepreneurial journey. Thanks for coming on the show, Calvin. Thank you so much, Ruth. And thanks to everybody who's listening today and, and love you and appreciate that you're on this journey. It's the most important journey that you can be on. Thank you so much, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like and share this episode and leave a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for opportunities to optimize your brain health, or unchain your pain from a past trauma, make sure you visit my website www.ruthmaryallen.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout to get 10% off all programs. And always remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. You have the power to unchain your pain and optimise your brain power and performance so that you can win back energy and time doing what you love.